Well, hello friends, it's great to be together again today. And I want to talk this morning about vision because all of us are made to live with a compelling vision for life that gets us up in the morning. We're called to live with vision. In fact, Proverbs says this, that without vision, people perish, people cast off restraint. In other words, we were made to live with a compelling reason to live life. And actually without vision, our life tends to lack meaning and lack a clear purpose. Vision talks about us having a, a clear kind of lane to run in with a clear sense of goal. You know, athletes who run in a race, they run to get the prize. There's a clear, clear vision that they have that helps them stay in their lane and focus on the task ahead. And so today I want to talk a little bit about having a vision for the year ahead, both personally, but also as a church family. Now, the trouble with tackling this subject of vision in this particular moment in time is that if you're anything like me, coming out of lockdowns and now coming to terms with living in a kind of COVID world and all the complexities and pressures that they put on it is, to be honest, I'm just too exhausted to have vision at the moment. Uh, I feel too tired to take on any great new grand strategic things. I'm just I'm just a bit knackered and worn out. And I think so many people that I talk to are like that at the moment. They are just about coping with the normal things of life, getting their kids to school in the morning, learning new work routines, getting back out of working from home, perhaps into the office, learning just to cope with life again. For so many, that in itself is a mission right now. And I think many of us have gone through huge pressures this last 18 months that we're only just now coming to grips with how it's affected us. But for many of us, myself included, we're coming out just a little bit exhausted. And the idea of vision is just a little bit tiring. And I know there are some superhumans out there and during the midst of the, the chaos and the change and all the, the challenge of this last sort of season, you have thrived and you love change. You've hoovered it up and, you know, thank you. Thank you. If you have thrived on change and you are just firing on all cylinders right now, brilliant. Thank you so much. We need you. I, I do think you're a bit weird, but we do need you and we're grateful for you. But I know so many are just a little bit tired in this particular season. And I think for many people that I talk to, what that's left them with is a burning desire for one thing. And it's this simplicity, simplicity, a return to the simple bare necessities of life. If, if Baloo the bear were here, he would probably break into song at this point and he would say, listen, here's a vision for the year ahead. Come back to the bare necessities of life. Have a vision for simplified living. And that's really what I want to talk to us about this morning. And to be honest, this is a message that I know I need to hear. And I hope it will bless you as well. Because I think God is calling us to have a vision for simplified living in this next season ahead. And uh, one person, when they're writing about simplified living, says this. He said, simplified living is about more than doing less. That's very important. Simplified living is about more than just doing less. 
He goes on, he says, it's being who God has called us to be with a wholehearted, single-minded focus. It's walking away from innumerable lesser opportunities in favour of the few to which we've been called and for which we have been created. I love that definition of simplicity. Simplicity is about coming back to the reason I have been created and saying no to good opportunities for the sake of the greater opportunities. Saying no to the many good things that there are around there that I might do the greatest things that God has made me for. Simplified living is actually about laser sharp focus, filtering all the other things out to do the most important. And so this message really is about a laser focus, a vision for three things this year, simplified living. And they're this, first, that God is calling us this year to worship. Secondly, that he's calling us to love others. And thirdly, that he's calling us to multiply into other people's lives. Three simple things that God has called us to do, to worship, to love, and to multiply. To worship, to love, and to multiply. And if you, like me, are perhaps drowning in a sea of all sorts of different things that are going on in your brain right now, it may help you like it's helped me to just simplify three things that God wants me to focus on in this season. He wants me to worship him, to love other people and to multiply into others. Three simple things. And we actually find these three simple things in three of Jesus' most explicit commands to his disciples in the New Testament. And so let's turn to those and dig into these thoughts a little bit more. So firstly, the call to worship God. We find this in Luke 10 verse 25 where we read, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, Well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. So let's just park there and just remind ourselves of the simple call to worship God with our heart, our soul, our strength and our mind. You know, there are many good things that you can give ourselves to, but a very few things that are eternal in nature. And Jesus here, when he is focusing in on this question about how can I inherit eternal life, deliberately draws this man's attention to the issue of worshipping God, because worship is an eternal activity. Worship is one thing that you can do in this life that is not just for the here and now, but is actually going to last forever and ever and ever. It's not just for this planet Earth, but it's for all eternity. Worship is an eternal activity. That's why King David in Psalm 27, he, he just he lets out this cry from his heart. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord, one thing do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David had a laser sharp focus on what he was called to do. He's like, God, I just want one thing. I just want to worship you with everything I have to gaze on your beauty. So friends, what are you and I called to do in this season of simplified living? Worship God 
with all that you have. Learn to behold the beauty of God. That's what you're called to. That's what I'm called to. David had a very simple one thing vision for his life. And you know, it's fascinating in the Bible. There's all sorts of different snapshots of eternity and two, uh, just to draw your attention to, both of which involve worship in eternity. We get this little snapshot of what's going on behind the heavenly veil in Scripture. These two moments, they're actually separated by 800 years. Two different men look into heaven and they see a picture of what's happening in heaven. And the two men are separated by 800 years and yet they see the same picture of what's happening in eternity. And that is they are worshipping God with everything that they have. And this fascinating little kind of vignette of what's going there. Isaiah, uh, you can read about it in Isaiah chapter 6. He peers into heaven and he sees this picture of these strange kind of mystical creatures he calls them the living creatures and they are worshipping a holy god on the throne and these creatures are a little bit mysterious and otherworldly and Isaiah looks at them and he's like they had wings and under their wings they had eyes and it says they were covering their eyes it's like they couldn't even look at god because god was so brilliant and bright in his holiness and Isaiah says I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple and the living creatures cried out holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty and it and he says the living creatures hid their eyes they couldn't even look at God a little bit like you and I trying to look directly at the sun in the sky you just can't do it because the sun is so brilliant and bright And Isaiah says these living creatures can't even look at God in their worship because he is so brilliant in his holiness. Fast forward 800 years later and a man called John, who was a follower of Jesus, peers into heaven and he sees a very similar picture. Again, he sees living creatures around the throne and they're worshipping this God and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. It's the same song. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The glory of God covers the earth. And yet there's a difference this time. John says he he saw these creatures and I'll read it in Revelation chapter 4 verse 7 and 8. It says in the center and around the throne were four living creatures. Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were all covered with eyes inside and out. Day after day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is still to come. 800 years and the living creatures are still just as staggered at the beauty and the majesty of the holiness of God. They're still just as captivated But notice the difference. 800 years later, they are no longer covering their eyes with their wings. Instead, their wings have eyes on them. I know it's bizarre. It's mysterious. We're we're looking into strange kind of things that we cannot quite comprehend. But this time, they're no longer covering their eyes. Their wings are covered with eyes. They're no longer hiding. They're now beholding the glory of God. 
In other words, something has happened. In that 800 year period, something has happened to the eternal worship that's happening around the throne. And of course, we know the thing that's happened, the thing that's changed. And it's this, it's the cross of Jesus. Jesus came. Scripture says he is the radiance of the Father's glory. It says no one has ever seen God, but Jesus the Son has made God known. Jesus came, hung on a cross. He rose again victoriously and he was ascended to the right hand of the Father. And now suddenly, instead of hiding from God, we see God. Instead of being unable to enter into the presence of God, suddenly the living creatures can see and behold God in the image of Jesus Christ. He has opened up for us a new and living way. Worship has been transformed. We are no longer those who cower away, but as scripture says, we are those who approach confidently and boldness towards the throne of grace. Worship has been transformed because of the cross. Jesus has made a way. You know, you're never ever going to get bored of worship because you are always going to be breathtakingly staggered at the wonder and the glory of God. And so friends, you and I this year are called to worship, to behold the beauty of God and to worship him with everything that we have. What a great vision for the year ahead. You may not know what to give yourself to. Well, friends, give yourself to this. Behold Jesus and worship him with everything that you have. The second vision for the year ahead is just to love others. Uh, in this encounter that Jesus has in Luke's gospel, um, the man says, listen, and learn to love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do these things and you will live. So here's the second simple vision for the year ahead. Love your neighbor, love other people. Now, on the face of it, you might think that's easy because we live in a world that loves love. Uh, you know, tap into Hollywood and you will just see movie after movie that loves love. Um, and yet so often love in the world is different than the love of the Bible. It's different than the love that we see characterized in Jesus' life. Love so often in the world is actually a love that has me at the center. It's a love that completes me. <laughs> It's a love that I find that makes me feel whole and complete. And there's a trouble with that because it places me at the center of this love experiment. But in the Bible, love is very, very different. It's a love that doesn't actually place me at the center. It's a love that places my neighbor at the center. It's a love that places others at the heart. And, you know, there are actually four Greek words in the New Testament that are used when describing love. And we've got time to look at all of them, but most frequently, the Greek word that's used to describe love, particularly the love of God in the New Testament, is this small Greek word, agape. And agape is, uh, is used to describe a type of love that is sacrificial, unconditional, and unselfish. Sacrificial, unconditional, and unselfish. And that is the love that God loves us with. Uh, one writer puts it this way, he says, agape love is unmotivated in the sense that it's not contingent on any value or worth in the object of love. Agape love is spontaneous and heedless for it does not determine beforehand whether love will be effective or appropriate in any particular case. 
In other words, agape love is a sacrificial love. It's a love that we give without thought of being given back in return. And this is the love that God loves us with. He loves broken people who cannot love him in return straight away. God loves people who actually reject him. He loves without condition. Romans says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or as 1 John 4.10 puts it, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sin. This is agape love. God loves us even while we're his enemies and he shows us this love through sacrifice and through serving us even before we have any thought of serving him. This is God's love and it's breathtaking, it's amazing, it's unlike anything else we find in the world. It's agape love, a love without conditions. So friends, here is a simple vision for the year ahead. Love others that cannot love in return. Give to people that may not necessarily give back in return. Learn to serve in a way that doesn't benefit you. Learn to serve in a way that doesn't benefit you. you know, there are so many ways that we can do that. You know, Right now across our church family, there are so many ways that we can serve one another and there's so many needs. For example, I, I could talk about our hospitality teams or our children's work teams across our different sites. Uh, getting involved in our online teams or getting involved in serving young people or serving uh, by leading groups. There are all sorts of needs we have right now. We've got a massive shortage of volunteers to serve in different areas. And friends, honestly, when you're in a family, one of the ways we express family is that we serve one another, even if you don't get anything in return. In family, you serve. In, do you know what? I don't particularly feel called to stack the dishwasher or empty the dishwasher every day. It's not my calling. It's not something I love doing. But I do it because someone needs to do it. And it's the way families work is that we muck in together and we serve where there's need. And actually, this is one of the ways that we express love is that we lay our lives down by serving and it's also how we love our neighbours. It's how we love those in our workplaces. It's how we love those that we do life with day to day where we're called to bring influence is we learn to love people that don't necessarily love us in return. So friends, where is it that you're called to do that this year? To love, to lay your life down. And honestly, if serving is beneath you, then greatness in the kingdom is beyond you. Because Jesus says, this is, I'll tell you who's greatest in the kingdom. It's those who are last. It's those who are least. It's those who wash other people's feet. Those are the ones that are great in the kingdom of God. It's easy to be a critic, but actually God's calling us to be servants that love this year. And then lastly, the last vision of life is to multiply. Uh, some of Jesus' last words to his disciples in Matthew 28 verse 18 he says this to them, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. 
This was Jesus commissioned his disciples, right? His last words were this. Listen, don't keep what I've given you to yourself, but go and give it away. Go and make disciples. Go and call other people to follow me like you have decided to follow me. Give away every good thing that you have been given. And this is a simple vision for the year ahead is just find someone else and help them to follow Jesus. It's a simple, simple vision. Number one, learn to worship God. Number two, learn to love your neighbor. But number three, learn to multiply what God has given you into somebody else. Help someone else become a follower of Jesus in a more effective way. You know, Peter and John, those early disciples are called before the religious leaders after Jesus' resurrection and they're in trouble and they're calling them to account for stirring up the town by preaching the gospel. And this is what they say, Acts 4.20. They say, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You know, there's just something natural in them. They're like, we cannot help but give away what Jesus has given us. It's news too good to keep to ourselves. And yet I wonder how often Christians keep the good things God has given them to themselves rather than passing them on to others. I love the story of the lady who was saved in our night shelter a few years ago. She was healed of a back condition. She gave her life to Christ and then almost immediately became the person who was telling all her friends about Jesus because news that good was too good to keep to herself. So listen, friends, this year, ask, who can I invest in to help follow Jesus more effectively? That might be someone who's a Christian already, might be someone who's not yet a follower of Jesus, but we're all called to give away to somebody. Even if that's one person this year, think about who that person is. So there you go. This is a simplified vision of the year ahead. Three things, worship God, love others, and multiply into other people. I'll just say those three things again. Worship, love, multiply. Worship, love, multiply. Friends, think about these things. Think about what am I gonna do as a result of what I've heard today? How can I put these three simple things into practice in my life? How can I be a worshiper? How can I be someone who loves my neighbor and serves them? And how can I multiply in one other person in my life? God bless you as you think about these things and I pray for a brilliant, brilliant year ahead. Amen.